Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from Matthew's Gospel. It's the sixth chapter. I'll be reading verses one through six. This is part of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, whether you're uh, someone who likes to watch Netflix or Amazon Prime or some of the cable stations, um, you probably are very aware that zombies are very popular these days. They've been around for about 50 years uh, since the 1968 horror classic Night of the Living Dead. But since that time, there have been a whole lot of movies and TV shows about zombies. In case you're one of those uninformed, zombies mindlessly walk around in a group together. They follow the past of least resistance. They are obsessed to consume without any thought or reflection, and they live only for the moment. These creatures don't sleep or dream, and they are just kind of going through the motions. They kind of look alive, but they are dead and they are literally falling apart on the inside. And to make matters worse, how's this for timing? There is the potential for infection among this dwindling band of survivors that are still hoping, still dreaming, still struggling to make it out alive, or else they might be stopped, converted, or even cannibalized themselves. Well, if you look around the room right now, it's okay if you want to look around the room right now, you're going to see folks who look alive, passionate, robust Presbyterians in good spiritual condition. And yet, if I had a spiritual x-ray machine, if I could somehow MRI your soul, what would we find on the inside? Are you the same person on the inside that we see on the outside or are you a zombie just mindlessly going through the motions in your life of faith well Jesus shows us in Matthew chapter 6 which was our first scripture reading part of his Sermon on the Mount that outward appearances can be deceiving because what you may see on the outside may not be what's going on the inside in fact Jesus says all this frantic activity and busyness. It just masks an inner emptiness. He says, oh, you look like spiritual world beaters. But in your heart, where it really matters, you're as dead as a doornail. You are spiritually bankrupt. It reminds me of the words that that group Player sings. 
in the song, Baby Come Back. The line is, all day long I'm wearing a mask of false bravado. Trying to keep up a smile that hides a tear, but as the sun goes down, I get that empty feeling again. How many of us, be honest now, how many of us work hard at having a reputation of being righteous, church-going people, but inside we are towering with fear of being exposed for who we really are? How many of us talk a good game of Jesus, but the reality is we haven't spent time with him in weeks in either prayer or in his word? How many of us act like we've got it all together, and yet we're living lives that are a mile wide and only an inch deep? How many of us give generously and faithfully to the mission and service of this church, but deep inside we feel it's a colossal waste of time? There's a word in the Bible for this. It's the word hypocrite. And it's the word that was used in the Greek theater for the masks that were worn by actors in their plays. Well, Jesus had a few things to say about hypocrites. We heard earlier from him in the Sermon on the Mount, but now we're going to hear a bit more also in Matthew's gospel. So I'm going to invite you to follow along as I read from Matthew chapter 23, short passage, verses 27 and 28. You can see the words on the screen. Jesus says this, not mincing words at all. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you look like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Friends, this is also, the word of the Lord, a little hard to say, thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we pray that you would quiet our hearts, but open our minds to receive that which you would want to say to us so that we might be changed and so our outside might match our inside and our inside might match our outside to the glory of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen. Well, Jesus has uh, some harsh words for people who wear masks and, and pretend to be something they are not. It was Mahatma Gandhi who said, you cannot do right in one area of life while in another area of life attempting to do wrong. Life is an ecosystem. There are challenges and causes and effects for the things that we do because what we do over here has consequences for what happens over there and so we need to be careful not to overvalue our reputation while at the same time undervaluing our character now some of you may be thinking wait a minute john you don't understand you see i i'm i'm in a job where my livelihood depends upon my character. I'm a lawyer, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in sales, I'm an accountant, I'm a nurse, I'm a teacher. Reminds me of the story of the two teachers who happened to meet each other at a college homecoming and they hadn't seen each other in years. And they started talking to each other, trying to catch up with one another. And the first lady said to her friend, I've gotten married since the last time we were together. And the second lady said, oh, that's wonderful. And the first lady said, well, not really. My husband is twice as old as I am. And the second lady said, well, that's bad. And the first said, well, I don't know about that. He's, he's worth a million dollars. 
And the second lady said, oh, that, that's good. And the first said, well, I don't know about that. He won't give me a cent. And the second lady said, oh, that's bad. And the first lady said, well, I don't know about that. He built me a $500,000 house. And the second lady said, oh, that's good. The first said, well, I don't know about that. It burned down last week. And the second lady said, oh, that's bad. And the first lady said, well, I don't know about that. He was in it. <laughs> you have to be, that, that was bad. Josh said that was bad. <laughs> Here's a point. <laughs> Eventually, uh, your character will become your reputation. Your reputation will become your character. One of the practical tips that I just love to give out, you've heard me give it out before, so I'll give it out again uh, this morning. It's a tip on how to pick a doctor. Here's the tip. Don't ever go to a doctor whose office plants have died. Because what comes out in one area of our life seems to come out in other areas of our lives. Well, here's good news. What comes out of us does not have to be perfect. <laughs> Many of us, I think, run around with this misunderstanding that God expects us to be perfect. And the one reason why we wear masks and, and, and put up a facade or portray an image that we have it all together is because we think that God wants us to be perfect. Friends, God does not expect perfection from us. We think that God does, and so we do all we can to, to prop up our image, prop up our name, prop up our reputation. And guess who are the worst people about this? You're looking at them. Ministers. Ministers, because we believe we have to be the perfect parent from the perfect family. Well, I'm here to tell you today that I am the perfect parent. It's just that my family hasn't caught on yet. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to set that illusion aside. A couple years ago, I was uh, still living in North Carolina, and I was going to be taking a quick trip, I think it was Memorial Day weekend, up uh, from, from, uh, from North Carolina for just a few days with two of my daughters, Julia and Emily, along with two of their high school friends, and we were going to be visiting with my sister and her family. Now, my father was going to be coming over from New Jersey, and all of us were going to be going to Hershey Park to ride the roller coasters and eat chocolate, although not necessarily in that order. But I was really looking forward to this trip. Now, the original plan was for my son, Tim, to also come up with us because we were going to be doing this big, great blowout birthday celebration as he was turning 21 and I was turning 50. So can you imagine the shock and disappointment when my son told me that he didn't want to celebrate his birthday up north with some old fogies, but that he had already booked a flight with his friends to go and celebrate his 21st birthday in, of all places, Las Vegas. I almost lost my religion at that moment. So much for the perfect parent in the perfect family, having the perfect vacation. Well, if God doesn't expect perfection from us, then what does God expect? The opposite of hypocrisy is integrity. God wants the, the, the inside of our lives and the outside of our lives to, to match, to be in sync. What you see is what you get. Our walk 
should match our talk. You know, Johnny Cash was a man with huge flaws, but his life was redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ. His greatest selling song was the song, I Walk the Line, a song that I believe is about integrity of the heart. The song opens with the words, I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. And then later on he sings, I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit I'm a fool for you because you're mine. I walk the line. So friends, are you someone who can look up and say to Jesus, Jesus, you're mine. And because you're mine, I walk the line. I walk the line of obedience and devotion to you. Are you someone here today who's ready to confess to God? God, I know that I've denied you. I know that I failed you. I know that I've fallen down and I've shattered into a million pieces. And even this morning, I'm not sure I know what to do. But here I am, Lord. <laughs> what you see is what you get. I've staked my ministry on the belief that Jesus, hearing that from us, will smile a smile with the sunlight of a million sunrises and say, close enough. God does not expect perfection from us, if even that were possible. You see, Jesus has already supplied the perfection through his death for atonement on, our sin, on the cross. So what does God desire from us? What God does desire from us is of a, of a heart of integrity and a faith of authenticity that is as real as the pew that you are sitting on at this very moment. So what's the problem? Here's the problem. We don't want to be real. We like putting up a facade. We like just going through the motions. We are all sizzle and no steak. We're all show and no go. Oh, we'll pray. We'll come to church. We'll sing hymns. You're not fooling anybody. Jesus knows underneath. It's a zombie-like faith. There's no passion. There's no desire. There's no real commitment to him. And so I think one of the things that Jesus is saying to you and me this morning is, wake up. You folks have got to wake up. Take off your mask. Get with the program. Listen again to what he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the, of the bones of the dead. Friends, these old bones, they need to wake up. Reminds me of the widows who were uh, playing bridge in their uh, senior adult community. And as they were playing bridge, they noticed a man who they had not seen before who was walking through the lobby. And they looked at him and said, you, uh, you're new here, aren't you? And the man said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. I just moved in and I'm taking a tour of the facilities. And one widow asked, well, tell us, where are you from? And the man said, well, I've just been released after 20 years in prison. And surprised, one of them said, well, what were you in for? The man paused, and then he said rather reluctantly, well, actually, I murdered my wife. And with that, one little widow perked up and said, oh, well, then that means you're single. <laughs> you know, and that may be a woman who needs to wake up. So, friends, is Jesus Christ asking us to wake up as a church this morning? Because what we do here right now on Sunday mornings should kind of carry through 
on what happens in our lives Monday to Saturday. Now, don't get me wrong. Chestnut Level Presbyterian is a wonderful church. We've got beautiful facilities. We've got great music. We've got a well-established preschool. We've got a variety of, of programs and ministries. And as I look out, you are all very impressive people. And it would be really easy for us to come here week after week after week after week, but for all the wrong reasons, to meet those wonderfully impressive people, to enjoy the music, to sit in awe of the sanctuary, or even because the minister tickles your ear. Friends, if you're coming for those reasons, you'd better wake up because Jesus wants us coming for him. The church, this church, should always be about continuing in the business of spiritual renewal. That means we are not to be satisfied with who we are or what our church is or used to be. We have to keep growing. We have to keep striving. We have to keep moving forward to offer the love of Jesus Christ in new and fresh ways. So one of the wake-up calls, I think, is that there is just no going back to the church from your youth because that church does not exist anymore in the 21st century and certainly not in 2021. However, listen to the first words in the shorter catechism from our Presbyterian Church's Book of Confessions, which I think sums up how we go about waking up and thinking about spiritual renewal. It says this, our chief end, which means our chief goal, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So as I close, let me ask you a question. Can you remember a time in your life before you had a reputation to protect or a public to please when who you were was really who you were before God? Can you remember that time? If you can't, it's time to wake up. I want to share with you a column in a newspaper that the late Irma Bombeck wrote several years ago titled, If I Had My Life to Live Over Again. And in it she wrote, I would have invited friends over to dinner even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have sat on the lawn with my children not worried about grass stains. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. When my child kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, now get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love you, more I'm sorry. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would have seized every minute to look at it and really see it, to live it, and never give it back. Friends, I think that's what God wants us to do, to wake up, to seize every minute so that we can continue to grow and mature in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church, that's my challenge. Let's do this, and let's start now. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, there are some among us who probably feel a lot like the hamster on the wheel. We're just running around endlessly in a, in a mindless pursuit to stay busy and look productive. 
There are some of us here who are probably driven by perfectionism and self-righteousness and wearing masks to disguise what we don't want people to really see. Oh God, speak to each and every one of us. Give us the desire to examine our own hearts before you and let you supply the perfection as we offer to you our best intentions. We pray that you would purge the impurities of our hearts and help us to be honest about who we are, to live with integrity so that we may abide in Christ and he in us forever and ever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we do pray all these things. Amen.